Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. Welcome to another edition of Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm your host, Alfred Edmund Jr., and man, do we have a great show ready for you today. We are talking about legacy, leaving a legacy. Uh, you know, we know that the word says a good man leads an inheritance. We're talking women too, where they're children's children's children. And of course, one of the major challenges we're facing today is the black racial wealth gap, the difference between the net worth of an average American white family and a black family. With us today, we have a great expert, guest, author, good brother, Eugene Mitchell, who's the president and CEO of E. Mitchell Enterprises and the author of Closing the Racial Wealth Gap, Seven Untold Rules for Black Prosperity and Legacy. Thanks for coming on, Eugene. How are things going? I'm doing great, Alfred. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, I'm just excited to be a part of the, the, the dialogue today to talk about faith and finances and creating generational wealth. That's a passion of mine. Exactly why I'm so glad you made time to be on the show. So listen, just, just to kind of get our audience to understand uh, who you are, not only as a human being, but your expertise, Talk a little bit about uh, your career path, your, how you generate this expertise, and what brought you to what's not just a, a job and a profession, but a mission for you. Sure. Um, you know, I, I like to think of my career path starting back when my early 20s, when I was a, a corrections officer, a prison guard down in Miami, Florida. Um, sort of fell into that. I was sort of trying to figure out what to do in life. And my family said, well, go get a you know, government job, good, good government job, right, for the, for the benefits. Um, and, and I realized very quickly while I was there, looking out at the majority brown and black prop population, uh, that you know, when you think about those disparities of, of you know, um, inmates and, and career paths in life and, and what put us there, um, it, was, it was less about what we often talk about, sort of the crime, the drugs, the non-nuclear households, but I thought more about economic differences, mm -hmm. but what set them up to, to be there, to go down that path. And I started to wonder, you know, if, if they had had a college savings plan in place or, or startup capital for their own business or a down payment for a home, would, would, they had a, would they have had a different path, a different opportunity, a different, you know, sort of trajectory? And, and I realized, you know, I wanted to do something about that, but as a prison guard, I couldn't do much. So, so I went back to do my finance degree at FIU, Florida International University. And then left to go my, and, and do my MBA at New York Stern School of Business. And then um, got hired into an insurance company. And, and you know, sort of thinking that might, this might be an opportunity to start you know, applying some of this and, and bringing the messaging back to my community. Uh, little did I know this, this insurance company what was, it, was a great uh, stepping stone for, for, for picking up and, and carrying on this message. Because I got uh, hired into this leadership development program. And, and, and one of the projects I got to take on was to do a profitability analysis of the cultural marketing group that they had at the time, which was the Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Hispanic, and Indian markets. Mm. They had nothing targeted specific for black people. Wow. They say, well, what's going on here? You know, you're, you're missing the largest minority group out here. Don't you, you know, see the value in putting resources into supporting them? To which there were two answers that I got. The first was, you know, well, you all speak English. You disperse throughout America. We don't have to do anything targeted specific for black people. We just mm -hmm. use the white materials. You know, the same old, we just, use, you know, from, from where you are your career, but just use the white materials. Uh, and of course, I'm like, could this be early 2000s 
we don't see the value of tailoring messaging or, or, or positioning for the black community. And then some other folks pulled me aside and said, there's more, probably more to the, to the story. I said, really? And they said, but we don't know if you're ready to hear it. So of course I said, well, now I definitely want to hear it. Tell me, tell me. And they said, well, you know, some people, uh, uh, there's a belief around here and they've actually gone to great lengths to prove it out, that black people don't want to buy life insurance. And what you buy are those small burial policies. And what happens to those policies? They lapse. And what happens to those agents who sell the policies? They don't make it into business. So they've determined that it's a negative return on investment to support and put resources into the black community. I said, wow, so, so either way, whether we don't see the value in, in tailoring and marketing to them, or we just see it as a negative return, return on investment, either way, it got me fired to say, you know what, there's something missing. Because I don't see those folks as any harder working than you and I, no right. smarter than you and I, that they, they've just got different tips, tools, and strategies to leverage these tools that they see it as a priority and are leveraging it in different ways than we are. So that became my 20 year journey, trying to figure this out and trying to, to support black agents and, and black communities in leveraging this tool and seeing the career opportunity to make a difference in life insurance. You know, how you and I met, we were speaking, I believe at uh, Wall Street Project. That's correct. Yep. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were on a panel together and what struck me about what you're doing, which is another reason, in addition to expertise, why well, I thought you'd be great for this show and this conversation, is that I feel, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, right. that you, you approach this as a calling now. Like it started out as a career path, a profession, and an interest. And you were so passionate when we met. Um, and your, your book had just was just coming out at that time. I think it was, I think you had given me an early version of it to look right. at. Talk to me about how this relates to you and the things that you passionately believe. Um, yeah, as a person of faith or just why you're doing this, why you devoted your, your life and your energy and your professional expertise to dealing with this. Awesome. I appreciate it. And, and yes, it was that event and, and, uh, and, you know, it was early on in the book process. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's been picked up and, and, and been shared and, and I'm continuing to spread the message around it. Um, and, and it is, it, it's a, it's a calling on my life. And, and for those 20 years in that insurance space, working at one of the largest insurance companies in the country, if not the, the world, um, I got to see how other races, religions, and ethnic groups were positioning themselves to be successful, right? To position their children and their children's children with tools with guarantees and tax advantages, right? In, in strategies of ensuring them parents, ensuring their self, ensuring their children, making sure that there would be generational wealth created. So when you think about that, just how we have typically understood or, or, or how we've not been shown or we haven't known to go and find out how other folks are using these tools. I, I, I felt that it was on me to, to kind of spread that message, to, to, to bring the awareness, to, 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 to share what I didn't even know for myself. But we, we talk about the sort of understanding our value and our worth. Mm -hmm. and, and I know we talked about before sort of car insurance right, to protecting your car or home insurance, protecting the value of your home. And the idea is that if your car gets into an accident or gets totaled or your house burns down, where you're gonna go back to the insurance company is for true replacement value, right? If you've got a pretty Mercedes Benz that you're driving and you get into an accident, you, you don't want a Hyundai or a Honda in return, right? right if right. your house burns down, a million dollar brownstone, you, you don't want a, you know, a, a, a trailer home to be given to you. You want the true replacement value. Right. What I realized that, Life insurance is, when it's used in the way other folks are doing it, is tied to your true replacement value. And, Which is and a lot more than the cost of a funeral. It's a lot more than the cost of a funeral. Mm. And, and as a black man in America, 
this was all new to me. Nobody had ever told me and, and brought to me the, the awareness of my value as a black, black man to my family, to my community, right? And, and actually I found out by accident uh, in that rotational program, that leadership development program, after I finished after two years, I got a letter in the inter-office mail that said, congratulations on your promotion. As a newly appointed officer at the company, we wanna take out two and a half million dollars of life insurance on your life to benefit the retirement fund of New York Life. Wow. But what is this? And they, they said, well, it's common practice around here. You know, so some folks think about it as, as like key man insurance. You're a key executive, a key person in the, in the company. If anything happens to you, we can sort of make sure that we have uh, enough resources to, to, to bring somebody else in. So well, I get that. But where does that two and a half million come from? To which they said, that's what the company values you at. I said, I don't get it. They said, that's what you're worth. I said, I don't get it. They said, well, for the work that you do for us, I mean, think about this. You make $100,000 a year and you're 30 years old. And we expect you to work here another 25 years at least till you retire, maybe 55, right? What's $100,000 a year for 25 years? $2.5 million. Wow, wow. That's without raises, without bonuses, without promotions. That's just for the value, the base value of the work that you do, we value here at two, as a $2.5 million asset to us. So we ensure you accordingly to protect ourselves. Listen. And, and, and I got extra sad because they, I realized they valued me more than I valued myself. We're here with Eugene Mitchell, the author of Closing the Racial Wealth Gap, insurance expert. And we're talking about the importance of leveraging insurance, not just to pay for your funeral, but to really replace your true worth um, and your value should something happen to you and to pass on a legacy of wealth. As the word says, passing on wealth, a legacy to your children's children's children. Now, let me say right up front as a man of faith, we don't just mean money, That's right. but here on Be Lifted Up Radio, we're talking about faith and finance. So we're talking about a financial legacy um, that can bring wealth to multiple generations. So, so Eugene, you really fascinated me. I knew a little bit about this story because you and I know each other, but I just love the way you tell it because it really brings um, into focus your own revelation as a black man who didn't know these things, weren't taught these things, but who was, I would say, your steps were ordered in such a way that you, were, you gained this knowledge. Um, the other thing we reemphasize on this show all the time is that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which is why reading books like yours and other books we recommend, in addition to the word, obviously, is so important. Talk to me about the things that we don't do um, that we need to be doing. Some of the things that you, you recommended to the Black Enterprise audience, I know you've spoken at our events um, and other conferences and events, and also with the people you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis about how we need to do things differently if we're really gonna um, utilize insurance to really um, create a legacy for future generations. Great, and, and, and even before the utilization of, of the insurance piece, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, continuing that, that, that theme and that story about them, them valuing me, the company valued me, according to my income that I was, you know, the job for the job that I do, that yes. was the contribution that they see me, not just being paid and, you know, from paycheck to paycheck or year to year, but for the, for the totality of, of my career. So they were looking at 25 years there, they're going to spend $2.5 million on my salary, right. right? And so they're saying, well, that's on the, for the long term, what you're worth. And then they spun that back to me and says, well, what do you mean you've never heard this before? Don't you have a two and a half million dollar life insurance policy on yourself? Mm. Which I said, no. And they said, what, what do you mean? And I said, I've never thought about it that way. I've never thought about thinking about the future income stream. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you know, well, let me ask you a question. If you don't make it home tomorrow, 
right? Especially with, with COVID that is just has ravaged our community, especially, but there's also America in this last year. If you don't make it home tomorrow, what will happen to that $2.5 million for your family? Mm. Right? How are you going to replace that? You know, will your wife have to move out of the home? But will she have to, you know, sort of to get a, to take on two jobs? But will she have to find somebody else to, to take care of her? Right? Will the children not go to the school that you anticipated for them? That, that this was just the, you know, when you thought, start thinking about utilization or protecting your income, that this is something that is, is, you know, we have to take on as a use for life insurance well beyond covering the cost of the funeral. And, and Gene, you make, you're making the point for current generation, like what happens to your wife and kids. Yes. The, the, the thing that, that I'm trying to emphasize that we always try to emphasize is that when we talk about the racial wealth gap, which depending on who studies is roughly one to 10, like for every $10, that the average white American household has in net worth, yes. the average black household has 10 a dollar or and sometimes less, depending on what city you go to That's and right. what with the measures you're using. And you know, when we talk about the need for capital to invest in our businesses, when we talk about being able to have finance college educations, when we talk about investing in institutions, whether they're HBCUs, churches, banks, or whatever, you're talking about a community that often only has enough income to sustain itself, but not enough wealth to invest in itself. Right. So, so you, what you're talking about, the what happens if something happens to you and your earning potential goes away and there's nothing put in place to protect that, that is a multi-generational conversation that goes beyond what happens to your wife and kids. I mean, am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is just one of the uses of, of life insurance is that income protection, mm -hmm. right? When, when I think another one, I, I call it living benefits. So, so typically a term policy would be what you take out just for a short amount of time while your children are young, while you still have a mortgage, that you would take out a, a term policy because it's usually a lot cheaper or more cost effective to purchase it than, than a whole life policy. And, and so when you think about protecting income, a million dollars, they told me two and a half million dollars, that might be $150, $250 a month for a life insurance policy that large if it's term, right? Living benefits are the second thing that I want us to think about and know about. So in those permanent policies, the whole life, the, the universal life, the, in the index universal life, you, you can now get guarantees and tax advantages in the cash value that builds up. So it's like a, a semi-compulsory savings plan, right? And, and there's new riders now, new, new add-ons to these policies that allow you to take from that half million dollar policy, say, to take care of yourself in case you have a chronic illness a critical illness, right? A terminal illness. So, so you don't have to now be sort of a burden to your children while you're alive if you get sick. And this past year, when we talked about underlying conditions, mm. right? this is a tool that we can leverage and use like other communities have been doing to, to offset sometimes when we need care for ourselves. Right. And that's the second use, the, the, the living benefits. The third is what you're saying is, is this legacy creation. I don't know any other tool, any other financial product that is a guaranteed payout for a lump sum at some point in the future. You talk about closing the racial wealth gap, whatever study you want to look at, whether it's 171,000 for the white family versus the 17,000 for a black family. So $150,000 gap. Right. There's another one that says it's closer to $650,000 is the actual gap. The I think I remember a Boston study that said in Boston, it was even worse. It was like $200,000 versus $8. $8, correct. There you go. Like, like a cost of a cup of coffee. Exactly. But, but imagine if you have a life insurance policy on your, on your parents, on yourself, or on your children, and, and when you pass and 
if you didn't get the note, we don't get out of life alive. So we're all going to pass at some point. But like other communities, we can set ourselves up to make sure that something of significant will pass. And if it's that $200,000 policy, haven't you just bridged the wealth gap for your family in one generation? Mm. That's the opportunity that I see. That, that's what got me fired up. You know, that, that's, that's when I leveraged this, this whole opportunity to, to create a, a program, the $50 billion Community Empowerment Plan. So I led 1,500 Black financial advisors around the country. I said, you know what? We've got to share this message about income protection, right? About living benefits, about uh, creating a legacy. Let's say, let's go after 200,000 African-Americans and get them to see the value of owning at least a $250,000 life insurance policy. 200,000 people with $250,000 of life insurance will create $50 billion over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years as we pass away, because like I said, we're going to pass at some point, but now we've, we're not, you know, we've set up a plan so to make sure that the wealth is created and passed on for our families. And what can't the families of friends and businesses of 200,000 Black people do with $50 billion? Yes. And I'm proud to say it took us six and a half years to, to accomplish the, the, the goal and to, to reach the milestone. So, but there's now over $50 billion in force by the Black agents for the Black community. And since we started the program, almost a billion dollars has been pay, paid out. And I'm proud to say that, Alfred, that we've created millionaire Black families because somebody passed away. I had an agent speak to a group uh, for me this week. Over the last two years, because he was a part of this program and he wanted to share with people, you know, you've got to ensure yourself of six, with something of significance like other communities are doing. Right. He said over the last two years, he's delivered three death claim checks over a million dollars each to Black families. And he's like, this was wealth created where there was no wealth before. And it wasn't like a lottery ticket. Somebody has sat down to put a proper plan in place with an advisor to create that for their family. And, 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 and the, the truth, for, especially if you're younger, the money that a, a typical lottery buyer, <laughs> ticket buyer spends every year, that's right. more than covers the cost. That's correct. Of, 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 a, of a policy, especially if you're younger. And, and it is important, I emphasize on this show all the time, that time is a resource as well. It's never too late to do it, but the earlier you do it, the easier it is to do it, the less costly it is to do it, and the more, more upside you have to it. Listen, I want you, um, when we come back for our next segment, to do a deeper dive into what, uh, and I know you, you can't give you know, specific advice for specific people, everybody has their own situation, but what are the things that the Be Lifted Up audience should be um, thinking about doing? What's the action plan? Let's say they, they hear the show, they're excited, what is the, the two or three things they can do right away to at least get on the path right. of, of leveraging these resources in a way that makes sense? We're going to talk about that right when we come back from this break. We're listening to Eugene Mitchell, author of Closing the Racial Wealth Gap, um, passionate about this idea of creating a legacy of wealth in the Black community. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. This is Be Lifted Up Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Billionaire from We Sound Crazy with your Black Music Month Spotlight. Chris Brown is a singer, songwriter, dancer, and actor. In 2004, Brown signed with Jive Records and released his debut studio album the following year, later certified triple platinum. Brown holds the records for the most Billboard Hot 100 entries of any male singer in history and the most RIAA multi-platinum singles of any male singer in history. You like it, what you see? Everything designer, that's on me. 
A lot of people don't see no's that everybody get. Like, they just see the success and a lot of, a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights, sleepless nights, stressful nights, crying in the studio, not thinking I'm good enough, like as a, as a younger artist, but I didn't let that doubt overshadow the dream. I feel like, even to this day, like my, my heart and my passion is in, so I feel like that's what, I guess, keeps me consistent or keeps people interested or engaged in my music. Celebrating Black Music Month. Hey, it's Angelique here. Walt Disney World Resort is bringing you the culture with music, art, and food. Imagine savoring Princess and the Frog's decadent bread pudding and Barry Benet's at Disney's Port Orleans Resort. Take in Disney's Animal Kingdom Park Circle of Life Festival, celebrating the Lion King and more. Walt Disney World Resort is a place where you can come and celebrate with your family and you can do it soulfully. Bring yourself to Walt Disney World Resort and celebrate the culture. Welcome back to Be Lifted Up, Your Guide to Living an Abundant Life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. here with Eugene Mitchell, author of Closing the Racial Wealth Gap. Uh, Eugene, you've really been, man, bringing a wealth of knowledge and wisdom um, to this show, which I knew you would because I know what you bring to the table. But I want, I want you to kind of get into some of the things that people can do who are listening um, to really get on the path to doing things differently than maybe their parents did it and their parents' parents did it. But, but before we do that, Talk about the other thing that we generally tend to think. I have insurance through my job. Yeah. I, I'm good. Like, why should I do more than that? Why, why you know, so what, what are the points of resistance you get to people to this idea that investing in additional insurance beyond that is, is worth it? And why is just getting insurance to your job not enough? Right. And, and just as come to mind as, as you were speaking there, I'd like to say, think about life insurance now as build and not bills. I'm thinking of it as an asset, something that is going to increase and benefit your family and yourself, and not just say like your car insurance or home insurance, something that you're you're going to just sort of uh, hope that nothing there, you know, um, gambling that or, or sort of assessing whether the chance of an accident is going to happen. But like I said, we know we're going to pass, so it's the companies have have put the projections in place to make sure that the, the payout will be there, and so think about how you can maximize that to the fullest. So it's about building, not just filling. That's right. You building wealth, not just filling a gap. That's right. Okay. That, that's what I want uh, our community to, to realize. And, and mm -hmm. especially when, when it comes to that, that, that question about, I have it on my job. But my, my thought and, and answer to that is, you know what, when I was a prison guard in Miami, you know, I had for, for a few dollars a paycheck uh, and life insurance policy associated to it. It was one times my salary. So back then I was learning $36,500. So think about it. If something had happened to me, whether in the prison or, or outside, that would have been $36,000 that my family would have received. Very different from what the insurance company told me I needed at $2.5 million. So right? in effect, instead of paying for your earning potential, even if you had stayed in that job, right. instead of paying for your earning potential for the next 25 years, you could have been in that job. They're paying for your earning potential for one more year. One year. That's it. So, so part of that is the story that we have to understand. And, and even if you have the opportunity to purchase more, when I left after four years, that insurance policy was gone. It doesn't transfer with you. So, so I just saw a GoFundMe this past week that they break my heart over and over again because, you know, this is part of why I, you told me what is my passion for is to come out and share this message so we don't see those one after the next. But somebody has said, you know, the brother had insurance on the job, but he was laid off last year during the pandemic. Mm. So he didn't have any coverage anymore. He just passed, but we've got a GoFundMe to help to help bury him. 
it doesn't typically transfer with you. It doesn't typically give you the opportunity. And, and if it does, that, then it's usually one of these that, that uh, uh, um, uh, uh, grows every year or the premium will go up every year. So that's why you, it's best to sit with a financial advisor. You would ask them what to do. You've got to find a life insurance agent. You've got to find a financial advisor to sit with to help map this out for you, mm -hmm. right? To talk about the best fit, to talk about what you're looking to do for yourself and your family. If it's to protect your income, especially if you have young children, right? If you're looking for these benefits for yourself, that, 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 that you can pass wealth tax-free, but what, what else, Alfred, in America, can you pass wealth tax-free? Life insurance allows you to do that, right? That's what it was created for when you think about the ultimate, the other uses around it. And then when you talk about creating a legacy, right? Th th those are things that, that uh, I think that we we've been missing and, and you know, we're not understanding how others are using. And, and so folks say, you know what? I, I know what life insurance is. Oh, I have life insurance. But, but my, my whole thing is, do you understand how others are using it differently? And, and so that's where that, that campaign of, for $50 billion, because it's not only individually, I think of this now, and, and we spoke about that on that panel, yes. I, I'm talking about it collectively. Right. Not only what can the friend, friend, friends, families and businesses of 200,000 people do with $250,000 as it pays out over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years to 50 billion. But I'm thinking about us cycling $50 billion, right, amongst black owned businesses, mm. tithing on $50 billion into black owned churches. Right. You talk about creating charitable giving and endowments. You know, there's opportunities, and that's what other communities, that, that life insurance company had been around 175 years, right? The first Black agent was only hired 50 years ago, or now it's 60 years ago. So, so we're behind in participation and in understanding, but definitely in the utilization, in the way of creating billions. This is an industry that pays out almost $100 billion every year, and my projection is that we only get 2% of that that goes back to the black community. You know, I want to underscore something you just touched on a, a couple of seconds ago around what we mean when we talk about leaving an inheritance. And too many people think, well, if I don't have any kids or if I'm not married and if I don't have, I don't need this, what, what do I care? You know, maybe, but we forget that you can leave, um, you know, whether it's through your will in the state and we're talking about insurance here, you can leave it to institutions, you can leave it to schools, you can leave it to churches, you can leave it to nieces and nephews. There's so many institutions that in the black community in particular, that need resources. And so I always tell people, just because you're young and single, doesn't mean this is not, a, you know, that you don't have a legacy to leave behind. You don't know, uh, tomorrow's not promised. You, you could, like you said, the pandemic didn't teach us anything else. You could be 25 single, you know, ready to mingle and your wealth creation potential is lost just like that because you think, that if it's not about passing it on to a son or a daughter, that it's not, you're not part of that conversation. And I really wanna underscore that because the word doesn't say a good person passes the inheritance on to his children, 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 if, if you have, there's no conditions. It says this is a way of, of life that's a godly way of life and a godly way of approaching the management of resources. And we can go into the parable of the talents if we wanted to too. So, so that's why I think that a point you made which is so important about this is not just about your son or daughter being able to drive a Benz and live in a mansion after you're gone. I, I want you to talk about this, and we may have to also jump with this in, in, into the other segment. Um, the importance, I think, of the importance of people, um, one, reading your book, because I was telling people, you're never going to get everything you need in a program like this. I mean, you, you'll get excited. It's like going to church, you're getting excited about going to church, but then you don't do anything after service to get more resources to try to change the way you approach your life. Now, talk more about the book. 
where people can get the book and, and what's in the book that's going to kind of help them move the needle forward on this agenda. Certainly. And, and this, like you said, is like a teaser for, for a lot more information that, that, you know, it came from my heart from, from 20 years of, of seeing, like I said, other communities use tools, use strategies. And, and when we come back, I'll, I'll talk about sort of how I've seen them insure parents and, and insure their children you know, sort of creating generational wealth. And, and those are kind of some of the stories I, I talk about in the book. And, and, it, and it builds from sort of what you could do and, and, and bringing it back to understanding your value and your worth. You know, I go back to that story, what we've been missing in our community. It goes on, on to things that we need to do in the way of a family, sort of building from a foundation up, you know, making sure that the foundation in the way of protection and then sort of wealth building accumulation and distribution and sort of then passing on wealth. So, and then I talk about sort of things about the retirement, you know, some of the challenges that we have to, to, to decide between, do we save for our children's education or do we save for our retirement? I touch on things like that in the book. Mm -hmm. And I talk about things that, that the other communities that I've been watching, how they use not only wealth, but, but their stature because of wealth affords them is, is what, what you keep and, and what you're able to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I talk about sort of what we could do together as a community, rising together, you know, sort of the iron sharpens iron, leveraging each other's expertise, but also combining our wealth and opportunity together with that as well. That's what I've poured into the book. Where, where can our audience actually get your book? So you can go to eugenemitchell.com. Okay. That's the easiest there. And, and of course, it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the books, bestsellers, you know, big bestsellers. But of course, the, the, they take the majority of the profits. Yeah. I'm going to push people. Business. Amazon's easier. That's it. It's easier. Go to eugenemitchell.com because more of the money will go to the author. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr., your host, and we're here talking with Eugene Mitchell, author of Closing the Racial Wealth Gap. And we're talking about leaving a legacy for your future generations, a financial legacy, a reputational legacy, an institutional legacy. Because listen, as I always say, if it's not multi-generational, it's not wealth. It might be rich. It might be nice. But it's not wealth if it's not multi-generational. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's what the word talks about in terms of what it means to really be great stewards of whatever resources we've been blessed with. You know, the parable of talents, it doesn't matter whether you start with one talent, five talents, or 10 talents. It's not about how much you start with, it's about what you do with it. And we know that good stewardship is bringing back more than we were left with and not just burying it in the ground. Or as my financial uh, expert friends say, putting it in a savings account and letting it sit there and do nothing and deteriorate. Um, that's, the, that's the current equivalent of burying the talent in the ground and just giving back the master what, what they gave you when he left. So, so Gene, uh, I, I'm really passionate about people we have on this show. Uh, I mean, you know, I work for Black Enterprise. I interview people at live events. The difference with this show is we, we do try to connect, or not to try, we connect the business and financial and professional secular activities that we do to a real passion and a calling in a ministry. That's why, again, I, 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 you're, you're perfect for the show. Um, but talk to me about the fact that um, just because you got the, the right message doesn't mean everybody just falls open and opens the door. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Talk about the re-education process that you've had to go through. Um, you know, you're talking about changing people's thinking um, that may have been set for generations. I, mean, I remember my mother paying for the, you know, the, the insurance guy coming to the house and my mother and us feeling like that's, I mean, our hearts were in the right place. It's not like we weren't trying to do what was best for our families, but we really have been conditioned not to necessarily invest to the true value of who we are as black people. But how have you navigated the, 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 the re-education process and even the resistance that you may have faced along the way as you 
put forth what is basically a new idea for our community. Sure. And, and, and I think it is, like you said, it's been a long time in telling the story and I think you got to tell it over and over. And part of that is understanding some of the challenge within it as well. I know mm -hmm. when we were on that panel, we talked to you, you were talking about the systemic racism that, that we face. And the insurance industry is, is one that has been right in the middle of that since the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, we can go back to the, the slave owners took out life insurance on the lives of slaves, right? There, there, there were years that, that, uh, that they did not insure slaves after they, they stopped that practice, that they didn't insure black people at all, right? It was into the thing in the 1920s and 1930s when they started insuring black people, but only cert, certain professions. But at the time they, they, they did race-based underwriting where they overcharged black people. Right. Then you think about the, 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 the first black agent was only started 60 years ago that, mm -hmm. to cross over to a large white insurance company. There were black insurance companies out there, but they weren't operating on the size and scale of the large white companies. When you talk about an industry that hasn't been welcoming and supportive of black agents over the last 60 years to be successful, there's very few in leadership positions in, in the agent force and in management of, of agencies. And so that, that is part of, I think, the challenge and that we're chipping away at. You, know, you call to mind uh, it's something that all Black people in the financial services industry, whether they're on the investment side, financial planning side, insurance side, you're, you're, and I've always been a champion of you guys at Black Enterprise, you guys are on the front lines of both trying to help Black people access tools and resources to build wealth and trying to transform an industry that's not necessarily welcoming. I'm just thinking, just call to mind, in addition to all the challenges you talked about, there's also the challenge of sometimes black people's policy wouldn't be honored. So they pay, um, you know, one of the, the things about the, the uh, Black Wall Street burning down, I told people all of those businesses were insured. That's right. They were all insured, yes. but nobody, they weren't, they didn't honor any of the insurance. So, right. so you're right. There, there's a legacy that's not just in our heads. Yes. There's a legacy that, that we've experienced in the financial services industry in general, but I have to say people like you, and I, I got so many friends and that I respect uh, who I've met over the last 25 years who have really done a great job of both transforming the thinking of black communities, but transforming the industries and the companies they work with. Thank you, thank you. Working and I think that's it about sort of trying to create change now, you know, understanding that the lack of trust that the, you know, like you said, the old stories, the old awareness, that the lack of or the miseducation that, that I think we've been given, that it's only been about covering the cost of the funeral. But, but, you know, we've not really educated for, a, for on a mass scale beyond those burial policies that Big Mama had, you know, 50, 60 years ago, what these uses are now. And so, so that's where I think for now, I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of sort of where the industry has come. There, there is an embrace now, especially with the social justice crisis. Folks are saying, you know, what should we be doing? What can we be doing more? And, and, and I think with that, and what I've been trying to do is tell more of the success stories, you know, to, to help folks realize and see the impact. But one I like to tell is, is one of, of, of Nipsey Hussle. So the rapper who passed away two years ago, you know, I think it was March, 2019, that, that, you know, with all the articles, all the fanfare, they, they're trying to figure out who shot him and why and, 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 you know, sort of getting, talking about his business and his music and his community activism. I only saw two articles in that time that talked about Nipsey Hussle's million dollar life insurance policies. Mm. Like he listened to some of his songs. He did rap about owning millions of dollars on his flesh, on his life, right? And, and where I'm going with that is that, that last year, there were some more articles that came out that, so telling about his, his partner, Lauren London, who 
now took the opportunity to purchase, a, I think it was a $1.8 million home in, in Los Angeles, right? That, that, um, that they, she was able to continue the sneaker, the, um, his clothing line, Hustle & Flow, the sneaker brand Puma picked up uh, a sponsorship of that. And, and, and she's successful in her own right, but I wonder if he had left her broke, if he had left her you know, relying on GoFundMe, would those opportunities have happened? See, this brother didn't leave it to chance, right? He right. Made or what extremes would she have to have gone through? That's right. To even approach the lifestyle, much less maintain the lifestyle. That's right. So, so he 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 did pay off and, and pay for the for the home, right? He did provide for his his children, right? He was aware of, of business succession opportunities when you have money to help that move that along. This is brother. When I look at what a young millennial had in place to make sure that his family was gonna be taken care of. He didn't leave it to chance. For so many of us, you know, we're waiting for somebody else to just, you know, maybe come in and do the right thing. Mm. He, he didn't have to do that. She didn't have to do that. that that's one story. Another one I wanted to, uh, to share with you because for where we are in New York, that, that somebody had asked me, you know, what, what else do, do you see from those, those communities around you that you said that you, uh, you know, sat next to and, and you were privy to see what, what they were up to? And I say, well, you know, here's one story that stuck with, stuck with me and, and it inspired me and my sister to go to my parents. They said in, in their family, the, in, where you live in Brooklyn, many of the Jewish families that live next to you, you know, they'll take out a million dollars of life insurance on the two oldest in the family. And in that family of 20, the 18 others will make the payments on it. Think about that. Mm. So they're going to pool their resources to pay for this guaranteed investment. They're looking at it not only as sort of a, a, a tool to, to cover you know, the loss, but as an investment vehicle. This is a guaranteed payout instead of when, hopefully when you and I pass 40, 50 years from now, grandma and grandpa may pass 10 to 20 years from now. But now the family's gonna receive $2 million and, and they're not looking at it as profiting off the death of grandma and grandpa, but about holding them up as the matriarch and the patriarch. Because from that $2 million, they'll pay for the college education of the grandchildren. Right. We talk about one of the biggest challenges is student loans. They've got student loans paid. No student loans. The family's funding it. They've right. got down payments for homes from two million dollars. You talk about these million dollar, two million, three million dollar brownstones. Most of us aren't going to save 20 percent down for a million dollar brownstone. They're getting it that kind of way from the two million from grandma. And grandma. You know, I want to hit on something about you know, we talk about the word talks about honoring your mother and your father. And you're like, they're not doing this from profiting off of their. No, this is a way. How do you think people end up naming buildings after the, you know, their parents? Right. This is about honoring your mother and your father by saying we value your life so much That's right. that we've in invested in insuring against it so that your legacy will live on for future generations. I mean, that is so powerful, Eugene. Listen. My sister went to my parents and, and we eventually got to do that. I, I tell the story in the book because you can imagine it's kind of funny trying to get a black family to say, you know what, we want to take out a life insurance policy on you. It didn't go over very well for the first couple of times we said it. But, but then eventually they did allow us to take out a half million dollar policies. And me and my sister split the payment, $150 each. So where else in America can you get a guaranteed half million dollars at some point in the future for $150 each? That's Listen. the potential. That's the, you talk about creating generational wealth, creating a legacy, closing the wealth gap. Here's a tool that can, can guarantee this to happen for families. Listen, Eugene, we're going to, Eugene, we're going to leave that right there. You you emphasize the importance of at least be lifted be lift up radio audience, at least have the conversation. Because I think you gotta at least talk about it. It may not be well received right away. Have the conversation. Make sure you go out and get Closing the Racial Wealth Gap by Eugene Mitchell. Uh, just take some action on this. This is so, so important when we're talking about closing the racial wealth gap 
and leaving an inheritance for our children's children's children. Eugene, thank you for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Alfred. And, and you know, like I said, I think they've got to sit with a financial advisor. If you go to eugenemitchell.com, you can uh, send me a note there, my email, my phone number there. I can connect you with an advisor if you need one. The majority of who I work with are African-Americans, so supporting Black business owners as well. So get the book, you know, get a plan in place. Yeah. Here's and the action plan. Get the book, Closing the Racial Wealth Gap. Right. Go to eugenemitchell.com, have a conversation with your family, and talk to a financial advisor about what you might want to do. Those are four action steps you could take right away to lay this foundation for leaving a legacy for your children's children's children, as the word says. Listen, you've been listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You want to make sure you follow the show on Mocha, um, excuse me, Mocha Podcasts, plural, network.com. We're also on Sirius XM, channel 141. You can follow us on social media all over Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm probably missing one of them, but <laughs> be lifted up radio, be letter B lifted up radio, stay connected with us, follow the podcast and be ready to join us for our next show. Thank you for listening and may God continue to bless you and keep you as we pursue an abundant life. It's be lifted up your guide to living an abundant life. Hey, this is bacon from making from we sound crazy. And this is your black music month spotlight. Brandy Norwood is an American entertainer born in Macomb, Mississippi in 1979 and raised in Carson, California. In 1994, she released her self-titled multi-platinum debut album, Brandy, that featured the singles, I Wanna Be Down, Baby, and Best Friend. Her second album, Never Say Never, has sold over 16 million copies worldwide and features the Billboard 13-week number one song, The Boy Is Mine, with fellow R&B singer, Monica. The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine, The Boy Is Mine. In her 30-year career, she's won a Grammy, released eight studio albums selling over 40 million records worldwide, and has over 70 movie and television roles to her credit, among other accolades. In the beginning, you know, you no one knows you, and you, you have reasons to be successful, which is just to be popular or for people to just know your name. But now for me, it's, it's about sharing and it's about really giving back. When you're young, it's all about you. It's not really about me. It's really about the people that have, have been with me for such a long time. Hey, it's Angelique here. Walt Disney World Resort is bringing you the culture with music, art, and food. Imagine savoring Princess and the Frog's decadent bread pudding and Barry Benet's at Disney's Port Orleans Resort. Take in Disney's Animal Kingdom Park Circle of Life Festival, celebrating the Lion King and more. Walt Disney World Resort is a place where you can come and celebrate with your family and you can do it soulfully. Bring yourself to Walt Disney World Resort and celebrate the culture.